0: So where we've been at this point in the Gospel according to Luke as we're uh, making this journey through this Gospel is that we've seen now twice the angel Gabriel has shown up, announced the birth of a future child, once to Zechariah and once to Mary. And those children will be John the Baptist to Zechariah and Elizabeth, and then it would be Jesus to Mary and Joseph. So at this point, all we've been studying is the announcements, the predictions that these babies are coming. Today, we step into that passage where the baby, one of them, arrives. Here we go. Picking up Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, we pick up with verse 57. And we read there, we'll go through 57 through 66, we'll pick up the first section of the passage. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. On the eighth day they came to circumcise the child and they were going to name him after his father Zechariah but his mother spoke up and said no. He is to be called John. They said to her there is no one among your relatives they said to her there's no one among your relatives who has that name. And then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. And he asked for a writing tablet. And to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, His name is John. Immediately his mouth was opened, his tongue set free. He began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everybody, Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, What then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. All right, so let's let's just take that section right there um, first, and I think we note the big thing on the radar in this passage is what will this baby be named? That's the key, and you notice right out of the gate, the neighbors say, "We're going to name. Surely you're going to name him this. It'll be after his daddy. It'll be Zechariah." But Elizabeth says, "No, it's going to be John," and then they got to get the dad to weigh in on this. And so for some reason they got to make signs, they're waving their hands, whatever they're doing. And then Zechariah asks, hey, give me a writing tablet. Give me a tablet of some sort. I, I'm going to tell you what, what, what we're going to call them. And this is an important point we need to make here. In this whole story about the naming of John, Terry just noted it. is mute at this point. Zechariah Zach, can't talk. And it's something, isn't it, that... Here, in this moment, when given the opportunity, Zechariah actually affirms the message Gabriel gave to him nine months prior. And so that tells us something. Zechariah, the doubter, was wor- God worked with him. God worked with this doubter. This one who had a lack of faith and God disciplined by making him mute. For nine months, God worked on that heart. Disciplining him, I mean, every day wakes up. And Yet here, when he has the opportunity, he speaks from faith. I don't want us to forget exactly how all that went down. Uh, you may remember when we read that whole passage, but we always want to make sure to read these within context. So let's take a look. I want to take us back to that moment where that lack of faith was highlighted by Luke when he wrote the story. So take a look. Luke 1, verse 13 through 20, we'll take an excerpt here. The angel said to him, this is Gabriel, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Well, your prayer has been answered. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. You're to call him John. He will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. And the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. So here is a man who's been disciplined by God. He's a guy who doubted. But isn't it great that God didn't give up on him? I mean, it's not like he doubted and he said to hell, like you're off. You lose your life. And I'm done with you. There is discipline. In your doubt, you will now be mute. And you're going to be mute until the appointed time. And I imagine for nine months, for these past nine months, before the birth of John the Baptist, Zachariah has been doing a lot of reflecting on that doubt. Because you know what happens shortly after he goes mute. His wife gets pregnant. His wife gets pregnant. And... We won't be crude here. But he had to move in faith for that baby to be conceived. So something's happening inside of Zechariah shortly after being made mute. He's got to know his wife. And then after knowing his wife, who knows how long that had been. These are two older people, may have not known each other for a while. But shortly after knowing each other, Elizabeth's pregnant. And for nine months, this man reflects on both his doubt and this amazing work God's doing. And so faith is just growing over these nine months. Isn't it good to know God doesn't give up on us when we doubt? You ever gone through a season of doubt? Yep, I've gone through a season of doubt, but God doesn't give up on His children. God will discipline His children, but He doesn't give up on His children. And so now you fast forward nine months from that proclamation... Gabriel gives to Zechariah there in the temple. You fast forward nine months, and here it is, this moment where everyone's trying to figure out what's the name of this child. And you got nine months of growing faith inside of someone God's been working on. And what does Zechariah do? He declares the name of this baby. This is John. Now, don't miss how important the way it's worded. Luke doesn't just throw words on the page. This is inspired writing. One commentator notes this. I just This was so cool. I didn't pick up on it. And so when he did, I said, I'm passing that on to you. Here's what the commentator notes. He, that is, Zechariah, did not say, as had Elizabeth, that the child would be called John. But his name is John. In the Greek, John comes first with emphasis, and we should not overlook the force of the present. The angel had already named the boy, and Zechariah by faith accepts the name as an accomplished fact. Isn't that great? The man who doubted now, after nine months of grappling with that doubt and watching God do this amazing work, this is the discipline of God's work in his heart, now gets to a point where he declares in faith, this is what it is. Not what it will be, this is what it is, because I know what God's doing. Man, I just was so encouraged when walking through this passage this week, studying the way, the way, how do we just unpack this piece of the passage? God didn't give up on a doubter. That's good to know. And I'm glad that when he does discipline us, he holds on so that we grow and aren't discouraged. Man, that's good news. So all this faith that's grown in Zechariah, that's brought him to a point where he's declaring in faith the name of this child, we we get to this point where now, after the child's been named, after his name is John, Zechariah just breaks out into song. He can't help it. He just breaks out into song. Reminds us of Mary. Remember two weeks ago we saw that song of Mary? Well, here it is. Now, Zechariah breaks out in song. We'll step into the next part of the passage. We pick up with verse 67. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of the servant David. As he said through his holy prophets long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. To show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham. To rescue us from the hand of our enemies, to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the most high for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for Him, to give His people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of His sin, of uh, forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the path of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. We could spend... A few weeks unpacking all that is in that song right there. But for sake of time, let's highlight a few things. What I'm saying is we're not going to spend weeks. We're just going to highlight some things. So much there. There's actually one thing in particular so obvious that you'll miss it if someone doesn't tell you about it. I tell you, I, this whole sermon was going in a whole nother direction. And then I hit this one commentary just as. Just as I just wanted to glean, what are, what are others thinking? How have they studied the passage? This one in particular, very well-known theologian named Leon Morris. He says this, and I can't stop thinking about it. Here's what he says. We might have expected that Zachariah's song would have been all about his little boy. He surprises us by beginning with the Messiah whom God was about to send. You've got to imagine this is a guy who had prayed for years with his wife that they would have a child. Years of praying. And then they got to the point where they thought they never could have a Like they never were going to have a child. They were past childbearing years. And now they're going to have a child. Now the child's born. Now he's holding his child. And what's the first thing he does? He doesn't talk about his new little boy. I'd be talking about my boy. There's this famous song, I don't know it, nor is it in my manuscript. It's literally hitting me right now. I heard Frank Sinatra sing it. It was something like My Boy Bill. It's like some musical My Boy Bill. Okay, never mind. We'll just move on. Move on. thought maybe someone would break out in song. That's okay. All right, don't even know what it's called. It's from some musical. I really like it. It's all about him singing about his boy that would be coming into the world. And then he thought maybe it'll be a girl. Point is, it's all about the new kid. I would expect Zechariah to be singing about his boy. If he had social media, I'd expect the first thing he's doing is posting pictures of his new boy. But what does he do? He starts talking about the coming Messiah. That's what he does. He starts talking about all the things this Messiah is going to do. He literally begins this song of praise. After the birth of his boy, by talking about the coming Messiah, he is full of prophecy about Jesus and all the things that are coming with this Messiah. And he loads up these verses. So just take a look. I just want to highlight all the things that are coming with this Messiah. He's going to come to his people. This is God through Messiah. So the Messiah is going to be actually identified with the God of Israel. We know that's God the Son. Fully human. Fully God. One person. He's going to come to his people. He's going to redeem them. He's going to purchase for them their salvation. And it's going to be salvation from their enemies. He's going to show mercy. He's going to remember his holy covenant. He's going to bring rescue and he's going to enable them to serve him. All of it's coming with the Messiah. It just can't help but just spill out praise for Jesus. Even as he's holding this long, long, long awaited child. He has to sing about Jesus. And in all of it, it doesn't just come out of nowhere. See, Zechariah, he's filled up, not just with the Holy Spirit, he's like filled up with Zechariah has been looking forward to the promises of God for years. And so we just got to lean in on those because there's two that he mentions. It's this covenant with Abraham and it's this covenant with David. These are massive promises that God is going to do something in the world that affects everyone. And Zechariah is saying that day's come. Take a look at the promises. I just feel like we, gotta, we always want to put these passages in context. So here's that one, Genesis 12, 1 through 3. The Lord had said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land I'm going to show you. I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make your name great. You're going to be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Someone's coming through your family. A child's coming down the line and he will bless the world. Zechariah, as he holds John the Baptist, looks beyond John the Baptist and says, That one is coming. Salvation's at hand. You know how Zechariah can have so much joy in that promise as he holds John the Baptist? Because he knew the Scriptures. You, you, You can't declare praise for something you don't know. There is great fruit in knowing the Scriptures. Then that one from David. I think we gotta let's put that one here to 2 Samuel chapter 7 verse 12 through 13. This is so well known among the people of God. When your days are over, this is to David, when your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name. And I will establish the throne of His kingdom forever. Zachariah knew that day was coming. And now as he holds John the Baptist, beyond John the Baptist, he looks at this great promise. He knows it. It's, in his, it's surely lodged in his mind, this great promise of God that God's going to send one to sit on the throne of David forever and ever to bless His people, bring salvation from their enemies. And now as he holds John the Baptist, That promise, he knows, is at hand. And he can't but just praise God for Messiah. Because he's on the way. This whole thing isn't about John, it's about Jesus. And then when he does shift to talk a little bit about John, he says this, first part of verse 76, he says this, You, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. Now, I don't know about you, of all my four kids, I never said that. And they just went, That's not how I started my praise to God for our children. What a declaration that He can there in that moment declare, you, my child, you are a prophet of the Most High. Yet, it doesn't take long for Him to... Turn back, even as he begins in praising his new baby boy, like we're not even out of the sentence. And he shifts back to Jesus. Check it out. Here it is. This is the next next thing he says for you will go on before the Lord to prepare a way for him. Literally, you don't you don't have an identity away from the one that's coming. Yes, you will be a prophet of the Most High, but the only reason you know who you are is because of who Jesus is. Like, literally, He has no identity away from Christ. Who He is is wrapped up with who Jesus is. And you know what? He goes on to say in the next verse, He says, you're going to bring knowledge of the forgiveness of sins. Check this out. I mean, this is what He says next. To give His people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. But John won't bring the forgiveness of sins. He will bring a knowledge of the forgiveness of sins. Literally, everything about John the Baptist points to Jesus. This whole thing is not about the birth of John the Baptist. This whole thing is about Jesus. Jesus is literally the center of the story. Zechariah is not the center of the story. Elizabeth's not the center of the story. Mary's not the center of the story. Joseph's not the center of the story. John the Baptist isn't even the center of the story. Jesus is the center of the story. This whole thing is to the glory of God because God the Son has come into the world to bring salvation. This whole thing is set up to put Jesus at the center. You thought this was going to be all about John. It has very little to do about John. It has everything to do about what's coming in Jesus. So with that said. I, I, When I think about. How does that even translate into. My life and yours. In 2022. Like what is this even. Okay fine. Get it. It's all about Jesus. What does that mean for us? Well here's, here's just one application. Just one big application here. Just one question. Maybe you could say it two ways. Maybe we could say it several ways. But here's how I want to ask it. I think the application coming out of the passage is this big question, Who am I? What's my identity? And this is like a real popular question today, right? Like, who am I? I need to be my authentic self. Like, right? Like, I need to... I, I, I do me. You do you. Like, I'm going to be who I am. Right? Who am I? I'm oh, asking that question. Who am I? I think what we gather out of the passage is we're a real confused people. Because we've gotten to the point where we think we are our feelings. We are not our feelings. We've gotten to the point where we think we are the object of our desire. I'm talking about a particular desire. not your desire for food, I'm talking about another desire. We have a mixed group here. Different ages. You get it. I'm talking about those strong desires. Okay, we're there? Good. We have this idea that because I might be attracted to someone that looks like me, that I am a particular identity. Or if I'm attracted to someone like Tess, which I mean Tess, um, then I am this particular orientation. That's who I am. Or if I have a favorite baseball team that didn't do well last night, I'm so sorry. I know. I just, not saying anything overtly. I mean, explicitly. I'm just, I've been praying for you. I've just been praying. Um, We think, well, I am this. Or, seriously, we are so inundated with politics, we think, I am a Republican. I am a Democrat. I am an independent. We get so caught up in our jobs, we think, I am a teacher. I am a doctor. I am a pastor. Like, this is who I am. And the scriptures push up against that. I am a created being in the image of God. There is our fundamental identity. And then if you take it one step further, I am a rebel against this creator in desperate need of saving. See, that's where the scriptures push us. I am not fundamentally a white middle class, white I said white twice. Maybe, maybe something subliminal there, I don't know. I, I am not fundamentally a white, middle-class, educated man. Like That's not fundamentally who I am. I am created in the image of God who has rebelled against my Creator. Now, it just so happens because I'm a Christian, I'm also saved. We're dealing with fundamental things, but in our world we are so mixed up because when you go unanchored from truth you don't know who you are and so we need the scriptures to always be bringing us back but don't think this temptation isn't really very real for Christians you and I can just get so wrapped up in our jobs children we actually pick up fundamental identities that are not who we fundamentally are Yeah, I'm a dad and I'm a husband, but that's not fundamentally who I am. Being a Christian is at the core. Here's how I want to say it. We shouldn't think about being a Christian as one part of who we are. It's the core of who we are. Everything in our lives should be filtered through the reality that we are justified people, saved by the grace of God through faith alone in Christ. How often do you walk around, walk into the day thinking I am a justified person by faith in Christ, all by God's grace? Do you you walk into the day like that? I, I have to work at walking into the day like that. Because once I hit the sports page or the news page or the latest book I'm reading, immediately my mind is anchored right here, right now, what has to be done. And what's coming in the next election? What's coming in the culture? What's coming in the job? Like, immediately I'm here. But do you know the reality that we all will be rejoicing in in a hundred years? It won't be that you got your to-do list done. And it won't be that your team won the World Series. And it won't be that your team beat the Dolphins. It won't be that. It won't be that. Just making stuff up, I'm dreaming, I'm just dreaming. That was for you, Dave. I'm sorry. Please come back next week, okay? Just come back. Just come back. I'm just trying to keep you engaged, okay? All right. Um, it's gonna be in the fact that you're a justified person by faith alone in Christ. Like that's who you are. Now you think you're a, you, like you think you and me. You think we're the only ones that have ever struggled with this? No. This was happening long before social media and cable TV. Paul, in his early letter to the Colossians, he wrote this. Tell me how relevant this is. He writes this, Colossians 3, verse 1-4. through Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Look at this. For you died. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. I'm not getting that from Fox News. And I don't get it from CNN. ESPN Sports Center never heard that. That's never been a top 10 play. This right here never been never been in front of my in front of my eyes to keep it right there in front of my mind about Whose I am. Who is my life. I have to work at that. Because I am so inundated with distractions. And all the other things that I'm supposed to be. That I forget the most important. My life is hidden in Christ. He is my life. Man I need that. I'd still be the one praising God for this little baby. Man, I need to take on the mind of Zechariah where when I see something amazing in this world, my mind doesn't go to that amazing thing. It goes past that thing. Not because that thing's not important, but it goes past and I see Jesus. That's what I need. I need to know who I am. So, for example, here's, here's just... Man, this is almost too easy, but let me just make it real clear. I'm a Christian, who is married to. I'm a Christian Who works at I'm a Christian who plays whatever sport or whatever I'm a Christian who cheers for whatever the team I'm a Christian I'm a Christian I'm a Christian do I like sports sure do I like the political zoo uh, like and all that goes on in politics yeah like they've made it a game now like do I like just keeping track of those things? Yes. Am I a dad? Absolutely. Am I a husband? Yes. Am I your pastor? Yes. But I'm a Christian. Like, I'm a Christian first and foremost. My life is hidden in Christ. And i got to work at keeping that first and foremost. So when I fail in any of those other things in life, I remember I'm still justified in Christ, by grace, through faith, in Christ alone. Like, man, i got to keep that center who am i i'm a christian i'm a christian like that's what i need in front of me all right i don't know how you think what you think about this next step you got to look in a mirror for it got it miss becky just got to look in a mirror look in a mirror each morning this week and say i'm a christian you can say i'm a christian first and foremost I am first a Christian, whatever you want to do. But literally, look in a mirror and just say to yourself, I'm a Christian. Watch what that does. I'm just going to let God do his work after that, okay? But literally, just look in a mirror. I'm a Christian. You are not any of the things you put around you before you are a Christian. Who are you? You're a Christian. Let that define you. Paul sure thought it was important. Zachariah sure did. And in a hundred years, if you are in Christ, you also will figure out he is the most important person in the universe alongside God the Father and God the Spirit. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and how it just draws our eyes to the majesty of you, the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. Guide us in our thinking. Clear our thinking to understand who we are fundamentally in Christ. We really need help with that, so help us this week. And now we pray it all in the name of Jesus. Amen.